Uh, this weekend is Mimbezi weekend, and I want to talk to you uh, just for a few minutes kind of to help you understand why we care about missions, why we care about the least of these. And then I am, I am really excited to get to interview again Bob and Joan Thomas that were instrumental in bringing this ministry to Fellowship the Rockies uh, about, about 10 years ago. Fact is, it was about 11 or, or, or 12 years ago that it was in an elders meeting. And the elders began praying as we were life jur journaling through the book of Acts. And so we began praying about what should missions look like at Fellowship the Rockies. And, and is missions a type of deal to where you just send a check uh, to a mission organization. You don't really have a relationship with them. You don't have a relationship with the missionary, the people on the ground, and some of those other things. Or should missions look different? And so we're walking through the book of Acts together, and we're just reading of all of these stories to where you find in the early church to where they not only sent money, they not only sent resources, but guess what? They sent people. And they had relationships with the people in different areas. And, and so when we started walking through that, and we started walking through the book of Acts, we said, you know what? We need to change the way we do missions here. We need to look at missions differently. We want to be a church that is very missional, whether it's within our community, whether it's within our state, or whether it's to the, the outermost uh, areas of the world is what, what Acts would say, right? Fact is, when you look at Acts, Acts chapter 1, ver verse 6, you can read it later for yourself, uh, Jesus told the local church, and Jesus told them, he says, you're going you're gonna to be my witnesses in, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the outer ends of the earth, and so, or to the outer ends of the world, and so what he was saying is Jerusalem would be like, like Pueblo, Samaria would be like the state of Colorado, um, and then Judea would be like, like the world. And I think I, Jerusalem would be, I'll, let me try that again. How's that? Jerusalem would be the state, uh, would be the city, Pueblo. Judea would be like Pueblo County. Samaria would be like uh, the state of Colorado. Then outer ends of the world would be North America all the way to Africa. And so actually, the early church had a, had a problem with that. And it wasn't until Acts chapter 8 to where God unsettled them to force them to go to the outer ends of the world. Listen, let me tell you something. Missions have changed my life. Fact is, the reason I'm your pastor is because of missions. Because in Beattlestock, Poland, it was in a dirty church up against the Russian border and it's sleeping on a dirty cot in the basement that God called me to be a pastor, and God called me to liquidate everything. I was just captured. I was just captured by that. Eleven years ago, I, I hired Pastor Corey Bushonic to help us in that area, and he did an unbelievable job, and so he overheard Joan Thomas in a, in a, a ladies' event uh, tell a friend that when I get back from the mission trip in Africa, I'll get with you. And so he looked at Joan and said, Joan, when you get back, we need to have a conversation, and that's what led us into this mission in Mimbezi. And so I just want to give you three reasons uh, why we do this and kind of set the tone and why we care about the marginalized and then how you can partner with us as we take the next step in Mimbezi. And the first thing is this, is we're commanded in Scripture to care for the least of these. We're commanded in Scripture to care for the marginalized. If you remember in John chapter 21, when Simon Peter 
uh, was reinstated by Jesus there on the, the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus asked Simon Peter three different times, Simon, do you love me? Simon Peter, do you love me? And it frustrated Simon Peter. He kept saying, Lord, you know that I love you. You know that I care for you. And he came back and says, well, if you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, tend my sheep. If you love, And three different times, in other words, what Jesus was saying, if, if you love me, then serve. If you love me, find somebody to minister to. Find somebody to help. And so one of the reasons that we do this is because we are called we are called to care about the least of these. We are called to care about the marginalized. Jesus, in, in Matthew chapter 25, he's talking about this issue of heaven. And I, I just want to read you I, I just read you some of this. And I want to remind you, this isn't like a parable. This is like a prophetic word from Jesus. This is what it's going to be like in heaven. And so Jesus said this in Matthew 25, 34. He says, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father and inherit the kingdom prepared for you for the foundation of the world. Verse 35, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat and I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink and I was a stranger and you took me up. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me and I was in prison and you visited me. Then we, the believers, then we will respond. Then, then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger or take you in or without clothes and, and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And then the Lord responds and says, and then the king will answer them and say, Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for, for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you, you did for me. And one of the reasons we care about the least of these, one of the reasons we care about the marginalized of society is because it's the heart. We partner with God when we do that. And the second thing is this, is that we are commanded to find a strategic partner. See, this is important to us when we are walking through this as elders like 11 years ago. And we said, well, we should find a strategic partner. See, this is what happened in Africa. We found what we believe one of the very best strategic partners, which is Horizon. Horizon International understands what it means to partner uh, with missionaries and the local church in other countries, in, in Africa, in Mimbezi specifically. When you look at this, you find that Jesus is teaching his disciples when he commissioned them and when he sent out the 72, right? He sent them out together, uh, you know, two at a time, and he sent them out. And he said, here's what I need you to do. I need you to go into these cities, and I need you to find strategic partners. And they said, well, how will we know a strategic partner when we find one? He says, well, they're, they're, they're a person of peace. And so the way that you find a person of peace, the way you know that the person is a person of peace, is they're going to already be working in the community. They're already going to be influential. They're going to have influence in the community. They're going to have integrity in the community. And that as you bless them, they're going to bless you. And as you partner for expanding the kingdom of God, he's talking about gospel penetration. And so we have done that with Horizons, and we have done that. See, Horizons identified just a wonderful couple that you're going to hear a lot about. Alec and Vita, they're our missionaries. They were already in Minbezi. They were already working. And then Horizon came alongside of them. And then Horizons partnered Fellowship the Rockies with them. See, they're our missionaries. You may not know this. We support them monthly. Part of your giving goes to Alec and Vita. And they're just an unbelievable couple of lifting children out of poverty. They focus on the orphans and they focus on the least of these. And the last thing I would tell you is this. I have, listen, I have seen this with my own eyes. And many of you have seen this with your own eyes. But I have gone there. In fact, is Karen and I uh, went on our last mission trip to Mimbezi and... Uh, it was a little bit, I'm telling you, it was a little bit emotional to me 
when we pulled in to, to see the church, we built a church there and see the water well that we paid for and the church that we paid for, the garden that we put in, the chickens that we bought. We bought them sewing machines so they can make uniforms for the children. We resource missionaries. We have, listen, in 10 years, it's amazing when we look back to see what God has done through Fellowship of the Rockies when we partnered with them. Now, listen, just like any good mission talk, we have pictures, and so I want to run through these pictures real quickly, and then we'll inter I'll interview Bob and Joan. And so, so look at this. So as the pictures come up, uh, so there's Alec and Vita. That's our that's our missionaries with the the, the chief, uh, the village chief came to visit us. That's an unbelievable story. We'll tell you that later. The next picture, uh, that's our team. That's our team with the village chief. He wanted a picture with us, so we took a picture. And so that's our team from Fellowship the Rockies. And so the next picture. Um, there, there are kids playing. We did a VBS. That building behind them, that's the church that we built. That's the church that we paid for, and now they can worship there. So the next picture, uh, that's VBS day. The kids love Duck, Duck, Goose, and so they're playing Duck, Duck, Goose, and the mamas are watching and cheering them on. So the next picture, um, that's, that's inside the church. That's not all the orphans. But that's a lot of them. There's a garden. Uh, the kids work the garden. And, and so they, they take from the water well. That's how they bring clean drinking water so that they have clean drinking water that you provided for them. We also do a ladies' conference in the afternoon with a pastor's conference. That's a couple of ladies going through scripture together. And then the next picture, and then that's a group of men. That's Bob Thomas leading a group of men to study scripture. We teach them soap, life journaling. And so the next picture is, is just a group of, of pastors. And let me tell you something. These men ministered to me. These men not only ministered to me, they, they ministered to Bob. I mean, we were that when I told you, when you find a person of peace, they bless you, you bless them. We watched this happen in Mimbezi. Anyone that's been involved in this will tell you, we were more blessed than we could have ever blessed them. The last picture is actually a video, and I just want to set it up, and then we're going to watch this video together. It was a worship service that, that I was so captivated by how, not only how they worship, but the circumstances. Prior to us arriving, a very influential pastor had, had died of cancer. And the church was hurting. In fact, his wife is in this worship service. And this is the first time that they'd been together without him. It was a little emotional. And the way in which they worship through their pain. Unbelievable. So watch this video.
I'm telling you, you have not been in a worship service till you've been in a worship service there. Just the genuineness, the authenticity, and I mean, they worship. They worship from the depths of their soul. And I, I just had to pull out my camera, and I, I shot a video, uh, which you just saw. And so last night, I, I interviewed uh, Bob and Joan, and, and I am, listen, I am so captivated by their story every time I hear it. And so I got some new questions for you guys, so I hope you're ready. So, uh, so I, I first want to hear your story. So how did you get involved in Mimbezi? Uh How did God lead you into this? I think it would help all of us to understand. So... Uh... Um, we started, we came here 11 years ago, but before that, we lived in Michigan in a small little town, about 7,000 people. Probably the entire congregation of the church would easily fit into this uh, right now, into, into our worship center. Um, one day they came to me and asked me to join, the, the leadership staff asked me to join them. There was a uh, national day of prayer. They were going to a nationally televised event in which Bono was speaking at. And at that meeting, Bono challenged the entire uh, church community of the United States to start helping out and get involved in Africa, in, in, the, in the poverty of Africa, particularly with uh, HIV AIDS. Uh, at that time, uh, 40 million people in Africa were infected with HIV AIDS. I believe there were something like 10 million orphans. I may have those figures off a little bit now. Um, and his challenge was to each church to get involved and basically quoted the Matthew 25 verses that we read right now. Uh, so we came back and, and decided our church should get involved. Uh, we took the philosophy or the idea, which I firmly believe in, is that we as a small church can't change Africa. We couldn't change Zimbabwe. We couldn't change the city of Bilawayo that we, we stay at. But maybe we could help out a small community uh, so maybe we can change the life of a small group of people. And that's what we started to do. We got looking into it, and we decided to hook up with the organization Horizon, which uh, works towards taking care of orphans, particularly orphans uh, that have become orphans because their parents have died from AIDS. Uh, when you go there, you'll notice there's a you're missing the, a large amount of 20 to 40-year-old adults. You don't see as many of them as you'd think you'd see because a lot of them have died from uh, HIV. So these kids are orphaned. And many of these orphans, they're, they're HIV positive. They've gotten it from, from the mother. Uh, and so we got involved with Horizon. Um, at that time, we were also in the plans of moving here to Pueblo. Uh, I couldn't make the very first trip that they wanted to go on. And Joan had been not really involved, but when we had the meetings at our house, she'd be peripherally around there and would hear what was going on in the meetings. And so they turned and asked Joan if she would go, since I couldn't make the trip. Well, um, missions really wasn't my thing at that church. Um, I, it was Bob's. This was Bob's mission. I would serve the tea and the coffee when they would come over to the house. Um, and, and just perfectly listen and was excited for them. But missions wasn't my thing. When I was about 12 years old, um, I was actually walking across my bedroom one day, and this was way before I became a believer. And I heard of what I thought was an audible voice say to me, you're going to be a missionary. 
And I looked around, where did that voice come from? And I looked back in the mirror, and I, I actually remember saying, yuck. Because I'm going to date myself here, but, you know, I watched Saturday morning cartoons, and there was Tarzan, and there was cannibalism, and all this stuff that you would see. And I thought, that does not sound fun at all. And I kind of forgot about that for many years. And, but it, the still small voice was... Um, saying to me, well, maybe the Peace Corps, maybe AmeriCorps, maybe something like that. And so being a missionary, you know, many of you know me, I'm into doing the skits and the dramas and, you know, singing in the choir and teaching, but not missions. So I reluctantly said, okay, I'll go. And I think that the uh, training team wanted to slap me most of the time because I kept saying, well, this is Bob's trip. But then you go. And you fall in love with Africa and the people, and it's the kingdom of God there. And it was just, it changed my life. It absolutely wrecked me. And I came back, and I said to Bob, I said, well, you know what? Um, I'm going every year. If you want to come, fine. But, you know, <laughs> it is now my, my mission. And my mentor um, at the time, one of the mentors from Horizon, knew he was one of the first people to know that we were moving to Colorado, and he said to us one day, he goes, well, maybe, maybe you're going to Colorado to bring Horizon to your new church. And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, well, you know, I said to him, oh, yeah, sure. And in my mind, I'm thinking, no pressure there. But God knew. God knew when I was 12, and God knew that he was bringing it here. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I believe missions is so important, is because when you go... You're changed. And because of that, uh, Corey Bushanik, when he left Fellowship of the Rockies, he went to be a, he's a senior pastor in California. And what is he doing there? He's a, he's a sponsored an area, adopted an area. And so he has led his church to do exactly what, what we're doing here. And so, and so it's an amazing thing how God works. But I, I would like for you guys just to talk just for a few moments uh, because our goal here today is to sponsor a bunch of children and lift them out of poverty. And, and we'll talk about what that looks like, what your role is, what our role is, and what that looks like. But what does a trip look like? If someone is, sit, is here and say, you know what, I'd like to go to Africa, what would that look like? Uh, yeah, and one of the things we talk, we keep saying change your life. Uh, I think it, it's one of the things, you don't speak about being selfish as being a Christian. But I think this is something where you need to be zealously selfish about your heart. When you go, I can guarantee you it will renew your spirit and you will become like a new Christian again when you come back. It will be an investment that is well worth the money in terms of how it would change you in your heart. So a trip to Africa is obviously we, we leave here from Denver, fly to Denver to JFK, and then there's a sort of a long flight all the way to Johannesburg. You're flying halfway around the world. Uh, then we, we fly up to a, a city called Bilawal in Zimbabwe. From there, we'll stay in a, uh, what we refer to sort of a bed and breakfast. Uh, so you aren't staying out there where you saw in the church, uh, out in the dirt where there's no running water, electricity, and you know, some hut or anything. You're actually staying in a sort of a bed and breakfast. You'll have a bed. Um, you'll have electricity and take showers and uh, you have actually internet part of the time. <laughs> it goes up and down. Maybe. Yeah. Um, and so we get up in the morning. We have a, a good breakfast um, all together. We do devotions, which some, I think a lot of the team members think that's almost as, as a special part of the day as, as they look forward to it as much as anything else we do. Um, we spend about a half hour, 45 minutes devotions, and then we'll pack up. 
We drive about 45 minutes out to Mimbezi, which you just saw pictures of. In the morning, we'll do a sort of a pastors and uh, the, the women and, and child care helpers uh, conferences, teaching them. And as Charlie said, you'll, you'll learn different perspectives of the Bible that you never thought of because of their perspective in their life. Uh, we break for lunch. We, will, they, the, we have some women who cook, and women will appreciate this. They, they cook lunch for close to 500 people on open fires. They have big, what we think of as the old cannibal pots where you can put somebody <laughs> in, big iron pots. They will cook food for 500 people on open fire that they can start by rubbing sticks together. Um, we will help serve uh, the people. So we will, at lunchtime, help serve this lunch to about 400 and some kids, the almost 100 adults. Uh, we get the food out. You'll have a few minutes maybe to shovel some food in yourself. Believe, the lunch is, is good. Um, we'll be eating what their, typical, what their lunch is. Um, and then, then we break for uh, in the afternoon where we do basically a vac vacation Bible school type thing. We'll have arts and crafts for the kids. Um, activities of games that they'll play, like you saw the Duck, Duck, Goose. And we tell usually uh, Bible stories to the children, which can be a lot of fun. Uh, that's one of the things I've usually done. It's way out of my uh, <laughs> comfort zone. But I have a lot of fun with it. Um, then we go back in the evening, have dinner together, where you usually can get fried chicken, which is why we got Charlie to go. We have lots of fried chicken. That's, that's true. <laughs> uh, and then we get up and do it again. Now, uh, towards the end of the trip, we'll do that for about four days. Then we will, and I forgot to tell the people this last night, we'll pack in a bus. We're going to drive you uh, about a six, seven-hour drive up to a game preserve. You'll get to go on a safari. And uh, this game preserve is about the size of Rhode Island. It's not wired in or fenced in. These animals come and go as they please. Uh, we will see elephants, giraffes, zebras, everything. Uh, lions, and lions will be literally right on the road next to you, walking down the road, yeah, basically from Charlie to us, and you're just in an open back of a, sort of a pickup. Uh, the next day, we'll take you over to Victoria Falls, one of the seven wonders of the world, where you'll get to see Victoria Falls. Um, and it's, people are just, yeah, you're halfway around the world. You need to see these things. You, you will get to do that. And then we fly home. Yeah, and, and honestly, that, that portion of the trip that where we, we take you to a game reserve, a safari, and then Victoria Falls is really critical for our team. Um, what you have just experienced or what you will experience is, can be a little emotional. With the things that we're confronted with, some of the ministry things that happen, it gives the team a time not only to rest but to celebrate what God has done. And so I just want you to know, on our team last time, we had someone that was, was in their 80s, and, and she, like, outworked the rest of us. I mean, she was, she was amazing. It is true. They had me at fried chicken. Uh, Beth came into my office and said, you know what? Bob and Joan would really like for you and Karen to consider going on the next trip, and they want you to know that they, you'll get unbelievable fried chicken every night. And I said, you had me at fried chicken. Count me in. And so we'll use any means necessary to get you to Africa. If that's what it takes, that's what it takes. Karen, just real quickly, and then we'll move on. But Karen was a little bit more sensitive to what we were eating than me. 
And so, uh, so we'd have all these chickens, like when we'd pull in, these chickens running around. And Karen's noticing, uh, you know, we'd pull in and there's less and less chickens. And so it's, it's bothering her. And so uh, Vita overheard Karen, the missionary. Karen said, Charlie, I think we're eating the white chicken today. And so uh, it, it really bothered her. But anyway, it is, it is fantastic food. And so, so let me ask you. Uh, so we got, all these, we got all these orphans that have been displaced in and in, in Mimbezi, you've already said why, uh, but what would happen? What, what is the life of an orphan? What does that look like? Why is this so important to care about the least of these? Well, there's several reasons, but as an orphan, um, what it, one of the things with Horizon in the Mimbezi model is they endeavor to keep the kids in a home rather than send them to an orphanage and, and that kind of model. That, that happens in a couple of their, their programs, but they want them to be with an auntie or a grandma or many times just someone in the community taking them in. And it's not like our country where people get paid to take these kids in. So oftentimes now with their, the rest of their children, um, they are kind of the, 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 on the low end of the totem pole of, of that family. And so if uh, supplies come in, you know, and you're not sponsored, then you're going to get the, 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 the dregs. You're going to get the very last of it. So as a sponsored orphan, one of the things that happens is, you know, these kids do get um, a food packet. So all of a sudden this orphan who was at the low end of it is now kind of the rock star of the family because they now are bringing things, supplies in for the entire family. Um, the other thing that happens is if you are an unsponsored or, or you are just an orphan and you're not sponsored is it costs, you have to pay school fees to go to school in Zimbabwe, which are very pricey. You have to have a uniform, not just one uniform a year. You have to have a spring uniform and a, in a, a summer or winter, but two uniforms a year. Um, if you need medicines, if you are HIV positive, you don't have that money to get that medicine to help that. So an unsponsored orphan or just an orphan in there really um, doesn't have a future. They can't go to school. Um, uh, their choices in terms of, you know, uh, there's about 90% unemployment in Zimbabwe anyway. So their choices many times are to sell drugs, to maybe be um, roped into maybe some sort of a militia government group that might not be great for them or to be a prostitute. So that's what happens to an orphan. Yeah, and so Alec and Vita are our missionaries that we work with, and Alec uh, was an orphan, and now he has an unbelievable passion. So talk about Alec and Vita and the passion that they have for caring for the kids and why it's so personal to them. Alec um, <clears throat> was an orphan. And um, he was an orphan in a family, in his own family. Again, same kind of situation as I told you, though. You know, the rest of the family got more than he did. But he was able to go to school and ended up being a, an African and a United States trained engineer. Ended up being the head engineer for all waste management in Zimbabwe. But he always had that passion, that amazing passion for the orphans. Vita... Um, is an RN, was RN for the big hospital in Bulawayo. She was head over 200 nurses in Bulawayo. But Alex's heart said, I need to start a ministry for the orphans. And so one day, he told his family, and again, in, in, in Zimbabwe, you either have, you know, abject poverty or, a, you know, an upper class. There's really no middle class. And his kids went to private schools. And one day he said, 
I'm going to quit my job. We're going to start this ministry. And so because of the sacrifice, she actually went to Australia, worked as a nurse over there, sending her funds back to Alex so he could get this ministry going for these orphans. And the positive thing, the first time that I went on the trip with Pastor Corey, um, she wasn't there. I didn't meet Vida. Um, but because of the fact that Fellowship the Rockies started paying part of their salary as the partnership went on, she was able to come back and join him as his partner there. So the second time that I went, I met Miss Vida. Um, so their sacrifice is amazing, um, that what they've given up, and even their family members are involved with it, and their grandkids are involved, so it's awesome. Yeah, and I've, I've never seen a couple, and I was kind of convicted about this, and I think many of us on our team were, I've never seen a couple steward God's resources like they did. I, I can tell you firsthand, uh, they waste nothing. It's, it is amazing. Could you guys talk about that, how they steward some of the resources and leftover material and what they did with that? And well, as we said, uh, when you sponsor a child, uh, they have to have uniforms to go to school. Uh, so they, they not only have their well of hope, which goes out to take care of the orphans, Alec will uh, take the food packets out. And some of the things, a little aside, our church has been fantastic. I got to thank this whole church for what they've done so far. Um, they, we have bought them a sewing machine, a sort of industrial strange sewing machine, so they can make the uniforms. All they have to do is purchase the cloth. So this makes the uniforms much more affordable, and they can make the uniforms for the kids that are sponsored. Um, when we, uh, we built the, the church, and you didn't notice it because we didn't point out, the old church, original church, is still there, and they still use it. And its foundation was falling down, and then this new church was built next to it. They still use both buildings. Um, they had leftover cinder blocks. Uh, and, well, no, that came, we built a garden, um, and we were able to do the garden because we built a well. Before, they'd have to walk close to a mile to get water, and you saw them carrying it on their heads. Now the, we put another well in the, in the village. That has changed the life for the entire village. Uh, because the water's right there, they're able to put in gardens and start growing some food. But then you're having people go in and uh, steal food from the garden. We, we kind of put up chicken coops to raise chickens and people. Were, so we needed a guard. So we were able to also help fund a guardhouse. Well, when they built the guardhouse, they had some leftover uh, materials. They were able to build another outhouse area uh, for the, for, to use. They used every single thing that we've been able to give them and put it to use. Right. You know, it's, it's and, and they will, I, I've never seen such, like, as, as Pastor said, such good stewards of um, the materials and, you know, to want to show us when we come back what they've done with it. And, but they're also good stewards of God's word. I mean, with the Charlie sermons, and they're still receiving sermons from Charlie, and the things that we um, uh, teach them or pray for them, when we come back, they, they are coming up to us now and saying, this is what I did with what we learned last year in, in the Bible thing. This is what we did. And, and it's really great because, you know, there's a whole idea of kind of a drive-by mission trip that you just go and you just kind of throw materials at, at people and, and things. But the relationship there is, is not that. It's that they have taken the, the, the physical materials and the spiritual materials, and, and it has grown. It is amazing. Yeah, I'm talking about a person of peace and someone that's influential in the community and has influence and 
And so as, as we've been working there for a number of years, uh, the village chief uh, at our last visit asked to meet with us. And so I'll confess, I was a little bit of a cynical American saying, you know what, he's going to come here and he's seen what we done, he's, ha have done. He's going to ask us for more. That's what he's going to do. But Bob, could you talk about the day the village yeah. chief came? So, yeah, we were, were getting ready to break for lunch. And uh, this relatively new, I think like a Toyota Land Cruiser pulls up and this chief got out. Um, he had actually been... Uh, from Mbezi, his father had been the chief, and then he went to South Africa and worked for like a credit card company. His father died, and they asked him to come back to be the chief. And he pulled up in this truck, and he said, you know, the government gave me that truck. And he said, it's great, except when it breaks down, I, I can't even afford to fix the thing. So it's a, kind of crazy, but that's what they're, they're trying to buy my support. Um, but he came and he looked around and he said, I've seen what you guys have been doing here, um, talking about Fellowship of the Rockies over the last 10 years, how you've built the church, how you put the well in, you're growing gardens that's producing more food, um, the chicken coops, we're raising more food. They have plans, we have plans for putting tilapia ponds in. Uh, Alec has plans where he'd like to build a vocational school there so they could teach trades to the children. He said, you know what, I've got land in this community that's mine as the chief, and I'm going to give you guys, Mimbezi Church, 10 acres of land to build on and do what you want. Uh, that, he said, because I know that what you're doing for my orphans uh, by sponsoring them, not only do we talk about the food, and we mentioned the, the, the uniforms and paying the school fees, but that means these kids get educated. And he was smart enough to realize that's the future of my village. I can get these kids educated. People in these communities, they, they stay put. They, they want to be there. This is their home. He means I got more educated people. They're going to become more prosperous. They're going to, this community is going to grow and advance. It's going to make everybody better. And I can see investing into this church, Mimbezi, and Horizon, and us, what you're going to do for our, my community is going to be incredible. Yeah, and this is what Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 10, about this person of peace uh, principle when you do missions. We not only have a person of peace as a missionary, we have a person of peace in the government. We have a village chief that is very powerful and influential in his community, and he's trying to resource Fellowship of the Rockies so that we can help lift his community out of poverty. It's amazing to see. Uh, when, when, when we went, uh, we hadn't sponsored a child yet. We, we sponsored a child when we were there. We met this child, fell in love with this child. And so when you, you can actually go to Mimbezi and you can meet your child. You can meet the child. This is a relational thing. I mean, they will refer to you as their American mom, their American dad. You give them status because now they have parents, and all of a sudden that helps them emotionally. Uh, you help them be able to go to school. And so I know you guys have, have sponsored kids. And so tell me, tell me what it's like and tell me what has happened as a result of sponsoring kids and what that relationship is like. Through the years, we've been able to sponsor five, and actually, I think we picked another one up last night. That's another story. But um, the two, we have two in South Africa. Um, we've had them since they were nine years old. They're now like 20 and 21. They're allowed to go to school till they're 21. 
And one of the, our 21-year-old now is at a university in Johannesburg. He was, his goal is to be, become an, a lawyer um, for women's rights. He also is, has an incredible singing talent, and he's with uh, two or three of his friends right now um, producing a Christian album, singing album right now. Um, the young um, lady um, wants to be in law enforcement. Um, these are kids at nine years old weren't going to school and so have allowed them now um, through just the $40 a month that we've done to do that. One of our young men in um, Mimbezi, however, we picked him up as an older child and you think, okay, well, if you pick him up at, you know, 16, 17 and they haven't gone to school, what does that do? Um, he went to school for another four years, um, did not go to university, but then we were able to help him get his CDL license, and now he has that. That's a big deal in Africa. Um, the, the irony of it, though, is he's decided to stay, and he works in Alec and Vita's office at Well of Hope. He's sweet with the children, um, and maybe eventually he will go up, but he's like one of Alec's right-hand right, men right now because he has enough of an education, he, and he can um, do things with the children. Um, you know, we've had a couple of other kids, um, one who dropped out of school, and if they do that and they won't go back, you know, even though you try to encourage them to stay in, um, that we, we had to not continue to sponsor. But here's the thing. You know, in the years that we did sponsor that child, you don't know what, again, in his mind as he grows up, um, will, will come of that at that point. But it's been amazing um, what happens. Um, uh, Penny King, if some of you guys know her in the church, her young boy, um, he now is, is a mason. Um, because of her, you know, he went to school in high school, he studied construction, he was smart enough to realize, you know what, I'm not going to make anything with construction, so he quit the program, and he goes, but I'm going to be a mason, and that's what he does now. So it's amazing. Yeah, there's story after story. When uh, Karen and I, it was, our, it was our first trip, many of the people on our trip had already sponsored children in Menbezi. It, it was just emotional for us to watch. Uh, our team that had children over there and they would bring them gifts and they'd bring them presents and it was like this birthday party it was like this this homecoming or this reunion if you will you can exchange letters I mean it is fact is our bus driver's name was Joseph and Joseph was was an orphan um, and he was sponsored and he got his CDL license and so every day uh, he he drove he drove our bus um, and, and, and he hung out with our, at our pastor's conference and hung out with us. I, I should have brought it, but I was kind of disorganized this morning. And um, my last day there, Joseph takes off his hat, and he hands me his hat. And he says, here, I want to give you this. And I go, I can't take your hat. I think that was his only hat. I mean, that was a hat he wore every day. I says, I cannot take your hat. And he goes, no, I need you to take this hat. I says, I cannot. Joseph, I can't take your hat. Why do you want me to take your hat? And it was just a yellow Mickey Mouse type hat. And so I'm like, why do you want me to take your hat? He goes, because I don't want you to forget about me. I want you to come back. And I want you to pray for me. Because one day I think I want to become a pastor. And would you help, would, would you help me? This is the, I'm telling you, this is a relational, highly, highly, highly relational. This isn't about sponsoring some kids that you'll never hear from again, that you'll never see. This is about sponsoring kids to where it not only blesses them, but it blesses you. Has it blessed you? Can't you tell? Yeah. <laughs> you know, Joe and I were talking, and it was like, we were thinking, it was like, can you think of anything Christ 
built building room built, furniture and like he was a carpenter yeah but boy he built some relationships right and that was what his ministry was all about and that's what this is all about a lot of people go on mission trips and what are you going to build what are you going to do what are you going to do and then we, we emphasize, because we, we train people. We have meetings, and we'll train and team build before we go. We emphasize this. Like, you're building things, but what you're building is a relationship, and it is an everlasting relationship, and it will it'll affect you as much as it affects them. And that's what we can't emphasize enough. You're going there to continue to build, and that's what this church has done. We have a unique model. Horizon's really good. They don't have a model and say, this is how it's going to work everywhere you go and force everything to fit their model. They go, you figure it out when you get there. Whatever works for you, that's what they'll work with. We came in different from other places where we start with the orphans and then kind of get to know the community. We came in and we've built a foundation with the community by the things we've, we've tried to do and help them, building the church, the well. And we didn't really sponsor a ton of kids right away. And we've established trust. We've established a relationship with this community that, they, that we can now be uh, able to re take care of their orphans. They trust us now with their orphans. Yeah, we're like instant family, which is just real quickly, Joan, last night you talked about, and I'd love for them to hear this, uh, the first time our team arrived at Minbezi, how did they respond to us? Well, we were super excited. You know, we were so eager, and we just wanted to go and hug a kid and grab a kid, right? Well, many of these children had never seen a white person in their lives in this village, and so they just ran. They just absolutely ran, but a soccer ball says a lot, and so when we brought out the toys and the soccer balls, they just kind of came in really gently, and even the grannies and the pastors, they just stood around for the first, you know, few days, and they just watched, you know, what are these Americans going to do with our kids? And, you know, even when we did the first conference, we did Esther with the women, not a, hardly a word said um, until the very end. And when Alec was asking them questions, I was like, they, they got what I was trying to say. Now, I think Karen can attest, it's sort of like they're raising their hand, they are adding stuff, they are preaching. Sometimes I just sit back and let them go at it. And the pastors, too. You know, now they're coming in and they're playing in our games and they're doing you know, what we're doing. Um, one of the very first things when we were there, they were like, what are we going to do with all these orphans? And I think through our help and our input, they've figured it out. They have Bible, um, you know, classes on the weekends now, like a VBS, many of the things right there. They're taking the things that they're seeing us do, and they're using them throughout the year. So it's amazing. When we go, we're there for, uh, on the field for about four days there. Um, this is Christmas week for them. These, they are so excited, both adults and kids. But literally, there's a saying in Africa, but it's actually true for these kids, is they're so excited for the next day when they hear you're coming in that morning, they sleep with their clothes on. They don't want to waste time getting dressed to get to us. And that's actually true what happens. These kids will literally sleep with their clothes on, so they're ready to go first thing in the morning to get to see the Americans. They cannot wait to see you guys to come. They're so excited by us. Yeah, and, and, and Bob, I, I can relate to that because uh, Friday night um, and then again Saturday night, last night, I, 
I could not wait for this moment that I almost slept with my clothes on. Because we have, I'm telling you, we have, we have the opportunity to sponsor. I think we have about 80 kids left. And we sponsored some last night. And, and uh, we have a chance if we can sponsor 80 more kids uh, throughout the services this weekend. If you're watching online, links are going to be flashing up where you can actually do it online for those of you in person. There's a, there's a different process. But I'm telling you, I had trouble sleeping Friday night and Saturday because I understood or understand what's at stake, that we can change an entire community. As Joan had said, that we were, we were like some of the first white people that they had ever seen. And the reason for that, you know the reason for that? It's considered an underreached area. There is not another mission tri group working from the states in that area. We were some of the first. That's some of what we wanted. We wanted an underreached area. We didn't want to go to an area where there's mission group after mission group after mission group, uh, and, and it's kind of easy. We wanted an underreached area, the least of these, the least of these. So out in the, in the Welcome Center, we have these cards that we printed up for you. It has a, a picture of the child. It has their name. It has uh, their, their, their birth date. And these, these things are really important. It was fun last night because some people would say, you know what, the, the, the name Grace means a lot to me. I'd like to find a child with the name Grace. There's other people that it was like, we would like a birth date that's close to the, the, like one of our children. Uh, some of the families had their children pick a child to sponsor so they could teach their children what it means to care for the least of these. And so they would, they would pick one. And so, listen, this is just so easy. Immediately after this service in the Welcome Center, uh, we have tables set up. Bob's going to be at the table that if, you're, if you are interested in, in going, uh, then, then talk to Bob. Talk to Bob. You're going to have fried chicken. Uh, you're going to have fun. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna develop some friends on that trip from this church uh, that will be lifelong friends when we see each other. It's still, it's just all those memories that we have traveled together. There's going to be another table set up with about 80 kids uh, with their name, with their birth date, with, uh, with, with and, and then you can use your smartphone. There's a QR code. You can scan that, and then you can bring up more data about that child, and then you can, you can actually fill it out right there on your, on your smartphone. Uh, if you don't have a smartphone, no worries. We got plenty of smartphones. We will loan you. And uh, we, will help, we will help you. So whether you're in person or you're online, it's just so easy. Online, you just, you just click on the link that the, our prayer partners are sharing with you now. Uh, in person, you can go out. Or you can go to our website, fellowshiptherockies.org. We got links there. It's linked directly to Horizon. Uh, this organization, I'm just telling you, this organization is amazing. We, I mean, they are such good stewards and so we have an opportunity to give basic medical care, school, trade for these kids, um, uniforms, everything they need to be lifted out of poverty. And then if you so choose, you can go to Africa with us. And you can meet your child. And you can hang out with them. Uh, they, we have a lot of credibility in the community after 10 or 11 years, just going back over and over and over. And we're all a little homesick because of COVID. We weren't able to go to protect them this last year. But 2022, 
We're, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna hit the road. So I, I would ask you to do this. Would you thank Bob and Joan Thomas for sharing uh, with us this morning? And then I'm going to let them go. They're going to make their way out to the, uh, to the Welcome Center. Uh, they're going to they're gonna be able to answer all of your questions. A lot of the people that will be helping with you, Karen's going to slip out with them. A lot of the people that will be helping you are some of our Mimbezi team that have gone with us. Ask them any questions uh, that, that you want to ask them. And I just, I just want to let you know that, that this is an opportunity that so could change not only Fellowship of the Rockies, but Mimbezi. And so let's, let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. And let me just ask you, what is the Lord saying to you as a result of this message? And more importantly, what is your next step? Every one of us has a next step, and so what is yours? Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you just to be a part of this church that connects with Mimbezi and we thank you for the story. We thank you of what we've been able to do there, and we look forward to see what we're going to do in the days to come. And Father, may we continue to be a light in a dark world. May we continue to care for the least of these, whether it's in Pueblo, Colorado, whether it's in our county, our state, or whether it's in Mimbezi, whether it's in Haiti, that, Lord, that we would be a church that cares about missions. For we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand with me? And as you stand, I just want to read our, our benediction. And, and so if you would, on your way out, just feel free to step in the, the Welcome Center, talk to our team, uh, look at some cards. Uh, we are going to have a prayer response, but we're going to, if you need prayer, uh, then it, as I dismiss you, you just make your way down the front. We already have some prayer partners down here now. They would love to pray with you. They would love to help you. And so our benediction is found in the the book of Jude. And let me just read that. May you receive this as the word of the Lord. And it says this, now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory without blemish and with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever and ever. Amen. May you know the peace of Christ as you go. God bless you. Thank you for being here.